The title of today's episode is going to be a question, which is, is it wise to know your limitations? My original instinct was to basically say a quote that I heard in, I heard it in the book, the, when I say heard, because I was listening to the audiobook version of it, <laughs> the the, uh, what was it, the, the Tao of Pooh, a book I've mentioned in the past, and I've, I've been quite enjoying it and getting through it, kind of little bits at a time. It's one of those books that's good to listen to when I don't need to overstimulate my brain, but want to just get some interesting ideas in there. And, and I love all the kind of character archetypes that that they demonstrate within the world of Pooh. And now I don't know if these were by design of the author. If if they were, they're brilliant. I mean, the honest truth is I don't know much about Winnie the Pooh aside from a few of the Disney episodes I've seen, but it's it's quite fascinating to see, you know, these archetypes, the the owl who learns who who is kind of very book learned. He he learns books and from books and gains knowledge, but sort of for the sake of knowledge and can't really translate it into anything useful. There's Eeyore who kind of he's also wise in a, in a certain kind of way, but he's very depressed, very kind of negative in his world view and and pessimistic. And there's Rabbit. Rabbit I haven't quite figured out yet. He's He's kind of clever and skeptical, I think, and and the the running theme is that all of these different characters, they kind of, their knowledge limits their ability for wisdom. And, and then, in fact, so one that they were talking about today was actually Tigger. And his main flaw is that he refuses to see his limitations. He thinks he can do anything. And so the the suggestion was made that the wise know their limitations and the foolish do not. So so my my initial instinct again was to to just make that. But the thing is, I I wanted to think about that and question it a little bit. And as I was questioning it, a, a follow up came to my mind, which was kind of a follow-up on, on the, the last talk I did, which about the, the dynamic between skepticism and acceptance, and, and it occurred to me in that way that the skeptic asks questions, and the wise listen to the answers to those questions. Now, listening... The problem is, I, I see sometimes, is some people conflate the word listening with the word accepting. And I think it's important that there's a distinction there because you can listen to something and you can hear it and you can, in various ways, acknowledge that you've listened via, say, repeating it back or whatever. But listening doesn't mean accepting something. It means assessing it. So you can disagree with something. This is, I know this is kind of a, a personal pet peeve that I'm getting into now, and I didn't actually pre-plan this. I didn't pre-plan to get into this territory. But I remember specifically with my sister, she would constantly say, you're not listening to me. 
And at that point in time, uh, the, the person I was married to would also say things like that and it would constantly irritate me because I'd tell her, no, I'm listening to you. I just disagree with you. And so there, there is definitely a difference there between listening and, and accepting. So, so while it's good to have that skepticism, that's only, as far as I can tell, a first step because you're asking questions and then to advance that into wisdom, you actually have to think about the answers that you're given. So, um, and which means listening to them and then, so that's what I mean by when I say listening is, listening means hearing them and trying your best to understand it. And so, so I, I, I was thinking of that because of course I was thinking of this idea of wise. Is it wise to know your limitations? So I think it's similar to the concept I was just talking about with skepticism. Um, so it's not necessarily wise to be skeptical but you can use that as a starting point towards getting wise, I think. I think it might be the same with limitations. I think knowing your limitations can be a good step towards wisdom. Certainly the opposite would be, I would uh, agree that that's foolish to not know your limitations because then you're likely to get to, to hurt yourself. But I think the wisdom comes from what do we do with that knowledge? So I, th I think I, w I was talking about this interestingly before and I can't remember the episode it was, but the way I, I envisioned this at the time, and, and I think I'm, I might default back to that because it seems to be true here, is there's these this kind of line between being safe and being cowardly. And so if you're too far safe, then you become cowardly. And then there's, then continuing on that path, there's a, a, a courage right? There's, there's the courageous aspect and that's where you sort of, you're pushing up against that line of limitations and, and then, but if you push too far, if you go to the other side, then that's becoming reckless or, or what you might call foolish. So I think to me, I, I see that all on one kind of grand continuum of being is where are we on this? And I think the wise way forward is to know your limitations and to to accept them and to try to expand upon them and try to push those limitations a little bit farther in a kind of intelligent manner. And you can only do that if you if you notice, if you're aware of what is there. So it's very important to, to assess this. Now, from, from a physical 
standpoint, this means doing something that I've actually found to be extremely useful in my training, which is the idea of your understanding your one rep max. Now, the I'm often not a fan of the term one rep max because the problem is the with it that the idea that of of how much you can lift for one repetition oftentimes is something that you can't determine quite accurately and quite safely but we there are workarounds to to try to get to that one rep max and that would be to say take there's there's actually a, a multiplication table you can find so that if you do say five reps of a weight then you would multiply the the amount of weight that you lift one point i think it's one three or it's 1.15 it's somewhere in there and and so on and so forth and you would depending on how many reps you you can take this thing to failure now keep in mind that has to be done very carefully you have to make sure that you're properly warmed up and yet not too warmed up to the point where you're you've you've depleted your glycogen and and also there's the problem that every workout you're going to be at slightly different levels of capability maybe you slept wrong maybe you're not as warmed up maybe who knows it could be any number of things maybe you've got a bit of a an injury um there's so many different variables that play in so to get that number perfectly accurate is never going to happen much like you're never going to get a true perfect weight or or fat you know but we can get in the ballpark and that's the idea so we can try to so my method that i've found to be extremely useful is i basically i shoot for a rep range and norm and i'll normally like to keep that between say four to six reps for for my first set of of this my strength day i'll call it because what i do what i've found to work really really well for me and you can you can take this or leave this or do what you want with it but I've found what's worked really well for me is a three-day split Uh, let's see let's see if I can explain this as clear as possible here it's it's sort of a three-day body split and you can you can split this up a number of different ways I've done it a couple different ways currently how I have it is I've got a push day, a pull day, and a leg day. That's pretty basic. I have played with it in the past so that uh, to do reciprocal inhibition. So it was like chest and back, um, legs and arms, and uh, what was the other one? I think delts and was it triceps or something? Anyway, y- you can you can break it up how you want, but I found. A three-day split to work well because what I do is I take those three days and then I alternate them I do so for example day one we'll say is push day and what I'll do is I'll say day uh, that's a strength day 
strength training day. So I'll try to keep the, the reps a little bit lower, heavier weight. So on the strength um, push day, this was, is a perfect opportunity to try to push my limits. So for each time I do this, so it'll work out to once a week, you'll, I'll, you'll see how it works in a second, but essentially every week I'll have one strength pushing day. And then, um, so based on what I did the previous week, I can try to expand that a little bit further. I'll do, I, I'm sticking to the idea that I mentioned in a previous podcast where I try not to do two sets of the same weight at the same repetitions. Um, this is due to the idea that it's, it, it doesn't have the beneficial effect. And in fact, I think Dorian Yates um, was a proponent of this, is that he always liked having, I think, uh, like one working set of a, so of a particular movement in a particular rep range for with a particular amount of weight. So I find that works well. I do actually three sets, but I try to change up the weight for each of the reps. And I like to keep it within the rep range of, of a certain number of reps. So ideally I'll have like four to six. So what I might do is I'll do, let's, let's say I'm, I'm bench pressing. I don't know. I'm going to say for argument's sake, uh, 150 pounds. Now, personally, I never add the weight of the bar onto it when I'm writing down just because it's pointless. That's always, that's a constant as far as I'm concerned, unless I'm working at different gyms and the bar weighs different, uh, it's always going to be the same. So I just leave that as a constant. So, uh, okay, so argument's sake, I do 150 for six reps. Okay, so then for my next set, I'm going to up the weight. So say I'll do, so let's say I'll, I'll put it up by 20 pounds. So I've got, and then say I only do four reps. So... I've done four reps with 170 pounds. So then my next set, I'll do 160 pounds or right in the middle. And I'll try to get that for five reps. Now, by the time I've done the third set, uh, even, even with, you know, a decent amount of rest in between the sets, my, my glycogen would be depleted by then. And certainly the, um, the, the performance is dropping by that point already. So I may not hit that, but what I'll do for the following week, when I go back to strength pushing day is all, I'll sort of get an idea of where I am and where I want to be and what weights I could use to try to push that a little bit. So since I was able to do 160 reps for uh, or pounds for six reps, then I'll try to increase that. Now, normally what I do is I try to do the heaviest weight first. I like the idea of reverse pyramiding. So what I might do is I said, okay, so I was able to do... Uh, let's say I was able to do 170, I said, for four reps. Well, if I can do that, then I should. Then let's see what I can do 175 pounds for. And maybe I'll only get three reps, maybe three and a half, depending. Um, but if I can get four, then I made progress. And so then I can, you know, so whereas last time I did 150 pounds for six reps, I'll try to do 155 or even 160 for the six reps. So this is this to me is a good way to ensure progress and and keep it in a manageable way and it's and 
so then just just to finish my my thought so that if you're wanting to to implement something like this the the pattern that i found is so if i do first a, uh, a pushing strength day next i'm going to do a hypertrophy type day so it's going to be sort of what i'd say is moderate moderate weight um i'd, I'd keep it I mean, I, sometimes I stick in some higher weights to get a really good pump as well on those days. But it'll so it'll, the rep ranges will normally be targeting between eight as high as even twenty, but normally closer to twelve or fifteen reps as as the normal range. And then, and then following that, um, so I think I said that was leg hypertrophy day. Then I'll do my pulling. Um, strength day, which will be like deadlifts, for example. And again, I'll I'll try to uh, max out my my deadlift, and then I'll round out the workout with some other back movements, uh, some rows and things like that. Speaking of rows, gonna take a quick uh, sidetrack here for a moment. The other day, I was uh, getting ready to leave the gym, and uh, there was a couple lads in there who. They were talking, the one said, hey, bro, we're not going to do, we can't do rows today, bent over rows, because it hurts my lower back. Now, I'm not one to interject in these types of conversations, but let's just say I wanted to tell him, um, if this is hurting your lower back, you're doing something wrong. So... And even he, he went on to say, it's not even like muscular pain, it's like just pain, pain. So so I just wanted to take a quick moment here, now that I'm thinking about it, to mention that if something's causing you pain like that, there's a very good chance you're doing something wrong. Lower the weights, work on form. Above all, what you want to do is you really want to focus on feeling the muscle, feeling the specific muscle. Now, bent over rope. You want to strengthen your lats. You want to really feel your lats working. Your lower back into that equation at all. Yes, you're bent over, but, but the strain shouldn't be on your lower back you're, like it would be for a deadlift because in the deadlift, you're actually moving your back. Your low back should be stationary. So if you're experiencing something like that, an example would be to, to try doing dumbbell uh, rows until you, you know get to the point where you you are understanding the movement and feeling the movement movement the way it should be and that that's across the board that's for any movement if you're experiencing some kind of pain that would be my suggestion um i mean this lad at least to his credit at least he was smart enough to say uh this is causing me pain i'm not going to do that movement that's good that's much better it's much better to to not do it than to do it wrong and to hurt yourself but um um it doesn't seem to me that that's a, a movement that you would necessarily have to remove from your your, your routine if uh, if you can just improve your form and uh, I'll give a shout out right now Ben Pakulski is as far as I can tell the master of form he's very very good at teaching people how to first of all understand what you're doing with movements. He's a very good teacher. He'll teach you how to to move for specific movements and then how to expand upon that to so that you can be a little bit creative at times and 
and uh, adjust different movements so that they accomplish what you want. So that was my little sidetrack. Back to my my pattern here. So after my strength pulling day, then I'm I'm back to pushing day. But for this, I'm going to do my hypertrophy day. So it'll be a um, again the 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 more moderate weights for uh, more repetition. So where I can use my my results from my first day is I can say you know I can use that as a, a sort of starting point. Normally I change up the movement so that I'm I'm getting as mo as many functions as possible. But but you can you can say okay so in the previous example I think I. I maxed out at benching, uh, I think, was it 170 for, um, uh, whatever it was, I think I said four reps, say, so that you, you, you know, you can use that as a starting point, or again, you can go back to the previous week, what you did on, on push day and, and try to expand upon it. Now it doesn't even have to be that you're adding more weight. It could be that you're adding more reps. That's the beauty of the hypertrophy day is that it's, it, you have a little bit more freedom in there, I find, as far as where your area of progression is going to be. It can be in terms of reps, as I say. It can be in terms of time under tension. So one thing I sometimes do is I add in pause reps, where I'll pause at very at either the bottom or for bench press. Actually, I found it that pausing at uh, just short of locking out is uh, is it gives you one heck of a uh, uh, pump in the muscle. Um, there's, I'm trying to think of other ways you can do it. You can, you can shorten your rest time if you want. That's another way to, to do it. There's, there's a num number of ways on specifically on hyper hypertrophy days where you can, um, build upon what you did the last time and make it slightly better. So then after that, I go to my strength day for legs. And this of course is where I'm going to be. I would use normally use squats, um, Leg press is a, I suppose it's an option. the The advantage to leg press is that because you're because it's a machine, your kind of your movement pattern is more likely to be the same. But even with that, your foot placement on it might be somewhat different from day to day, right? Hopefully, you can figure it out so it's close enough to the same. Uh, leg press can be a good one to test the limits of your strength and try to push it. In in some ways, squat is, to me, ideal. But again, not without its limitations because with, with squat, you also have to make sure that your range of motion is the same. I mean, a squat where you're going parallel or even lower is not equivalent to a squat where you're only going down a few inches or even how much you stick your knees out beyond your toes is going to make a difference right all these things need to be that to me is the big challenge with trying to progress is to try to keep the form as as unchanged as possible so that's not a a limiting variable in determining where you are so it's something to definitely think about a lot. This is why I think it's extremely important to learn the basics of, of really any movement first and teach yourself the movement patterns. 
Now, when I'm doing these, I, I also, it's part of my, my warm-up routine is to, in fact, it essentially is my warm-up routine, is to do these compound movements, but, but to go through the movement pattern a, a few times without, without getting to the point where I'm going to cause, um, metabolic fatigue. Basically, I'm not going to be huffing and puffing. I don't do strenuous cardio before weights ever. Um, it is winter here now. So I find that my warmups have to be a little bit longer just cause I don't want to lift cold. Um, but, but generally the idea is the same is that I'm trying to perfect the movement pattern both, you know, from a mental standpoint and, and a physical standpoint. Sometimes what I do is I actually close my eyes and do the movement pattern. That's harder to do on legs. For balance, I find it's quite tricky, but certainly for push-type movements, it's it's uh, easy to do safely. And um, and I find that that helps me too. It helps me kind of mentally orient my myself in space. I certainly didn't make that that concept up. It's uh, something in kinesiology that uh, the, the actual term for it is escaping me. Um, so back to the original question posed here. Is, is it wise to know your limitations? I would say it's good to know your limitations. It's wise to address those limitations appropriately. Some things are beyond, beyond what we can expand upon. And we're limited by so many things. But limitations don't have to be a bad thing. And... If I've, if I've said this before, please forgive me. The, the reality is that I've recorded a, a massive amount of these things and only a select few have actually made the podcast. And there's a lot of things that I wanted to include on it that I didn't. And some things that just i it's hard for me to sometimes keep track of all the things that i have said and haven't said that have made it out to the public but i'll go over this again just in case the limitations are not a bad thing limitations are a good thing because if we didn't have limitations anything would be possible and if anything would be possible, then we wouldn't appreciate the advancements we make, and there would be no meaning to it. So essentially, without limitations, without struggles, there would be virtually no meaning to life. So I've come to have quite a interesting relationship with with limitations where I I see them as as almost maybe not a friend but a necessity and I'm glad they're there so that I can push past them and the fact that I can push past them makes it meaningful whereas 
it's like that old saying, if, if it was easy, anyone would do it. Well, the fact that you are doing it means that you have done something that isn't easy. And that's a pretty, and that's basically the definition of accomplishment. And accomplishments are one of the, the greatest experiences in the human experience, as far as I can tell. So, limitations are, knowing your limitations is definitely a good thing. And what you do with them is, I think, what makes you either wise or not wise. Now, yes, it's, I would say it's foolish to not know your limitations, but it's also foolish to ignore your limitations when you do know them. We're bound by certain laws of the universe, and it seems silly to me to turn your back on those. And, I mean, I don't know that I want to become inflammatory here, but I was born, let's say I was born a white male. What limitations does that prevent, provide me with? Well, I can't get pregnant. So, I mean, if, if my goal is to tell Mother Nature that she's being sexist because I can't, I'm physically incapable of, my, my, of, of getting pregnant, that's a limitation. Uh, I don't think Mother Nature's going to give two shits, really. Uh, that's the reality. That's my limitation is that I'll never be able to bear a child. I mean, things like that, you kind of, you'd be wise to, to come to terms with. Uh, would I like to be able to give birth? I don't know. Maybe. I suppose I never really put much thought into it because I, it's not an option. But if I did, if, if that's something that I was passionate about and I really wished that I could give birth to a, I don't know, a Chinese baby um, with my African-American girlfriend or boyfriend, whatever, uh, you see what I'm getting at is that <laughs> there's certain laws of nature that we can accuse it of being uh, unpolitically correct or unfair or unequal, and that's, that is the definition of being foolish. And I know there are some people who are trying to push those limits. And 10 years ago, we would have said, okay, you're just being an idiot. But now we've got certain people who are, are trying to give that mentality some kind of uh, credibility for, and it, it, I don't know, I, I don't understand what good will possibly come from trying to convince somebody that they are above the laws of nature be, because they imagine themselves to be. I'm not sure what good can come of that. 
because what you're doing is you're teaching someone to look at their limitations or 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 not to look at their limitations to to be blind to what their limitations are you're teaching people to be fools essentially um so let's not be fools let's look for those limitations let's try to find where they are now when you're trying to find your limitations you you approach with caution you don't run at them full force because again that's that's ignoring the fact that you have limitations if we know we have limitations we need to find where that is and then once we find it we can move to extend that line beyond so I think that's about uh, everything I have to say on that. It's been an interesting little chat. I can't believe that I went on without pausing for over 30 minutes. I'm either heavily under the influence of caffeine <laughs> or just a, uh, a talkative uh, son of a bitch. No offense, Mom. That's not what I meant. So, uh, anyway, I'll leave it at that for today, and I will catch you next time. I'm, I'm coming near what I think is going to be the, the end of this season. I'm, I've been thinking how many episodes to do for it. I think this is episode 20, if I remember right. On one hand, I was thinking of doing 23. That's sort of the number. There, I'm sure there's some significance to the number 23. I know that TV shows try to be around there. And I was thinking about, oh, what about you know, the Pythagorean uh, golden number, which is 10. But the reason it's 10 is because it's it's 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4. But 1 times 2 times 3 times 4 is 24. So maybe I'll do 24 episodes with that in mind. I don't know. I don't know. It's not really important. Anyway, I'm coming to the end of what's going to be season 1 of this show. And I'm going to step back for a little while once I've done that, once I think I've said everything I need to say on the matter for the time and and then uh, collect some ideas and see if I want to come back for a second season of the thing and and see if I have enough ideas to continue it and see if I in the end enjoyed it enough so until next time work hard expect success blah, blah, blah. expect success <laughs>